This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. I wanted more discipline with my mind. I wanted to I wanted to be in charge. I wanted to be the leader, not the follower. And I sort of felt like I was kind of following my brain around. And I couldn't figure out a way to get ahead of it because I was always on to the next thought, on to the next thought, on to the next thought. And, you know, when I sit there, even if I do 10 minutes of meditation and I just slow down that next thought and slow down the, the distance between them, I'm actually like, getting better ideas because the pond isn't so muddied. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. My name is Michael Cammers, your host and monologist, and on behalf of all of us here at Be Here Now and Dharma Moon, We sincerely hope this podcast finds you as well as can be, and we are grateful that you are joining us. Here at CSM, our guide, David Nickturn, discusses how to lead an integrated life involving spiritual practice, creative expression, and right livelihood with guests who embody and manifest these principles in their own life. And for this episode, we are very fortunate to have professional wrestler and teacher Matt Seidel joining us, sharing his wisdom and experience from inside and outside the ring as a mindfulness practitioner who has found great value in cultivating the ability to practice the middle way and abide in equanimity even in the most extreme wrestling moments. Matt has had a longer career in professional wrestling than can be briefly summarized here. However, starting in independent circuits in the year 2000, he worked his way up to the WWE with a long stint in the character Evan Bourne in 2007. He's wrestled internationally in Japan and is currently an all-elite wrestler. Matt also teaches in Florida at Dojo. If you are interested in training to be a professional wrestler or are just curious... You can check it out at SciDojo.com. That is S-Y-D-O-J-O.com. I had the pleasure of being Matt's mentor in our Dharma Moon 100-hour mindfulness meditation teacher training program, which is how we connected for the podcast. Matt is a graduate of our program, and you can become one too, since we are starting another cohort on June 23rd, 2023. However, if you are listening to this at a later date, uh, just head over to dharmamoon.com to see what programs we are running. Currently, we have a community sit where everyone is welcome to join us in meditation practice on June, the third Sunday of every month, as well as Ethan Nickturn's year-long Buddhist studies programs. And if you're interested in one-to-one study, you can also uh, engage in that with our senior teachers. Also, it wouldn't be an opening monologue if we didn't give a shout out to everyone at the Be Here Now Network. We are very grateful to be a part of the Be Here Now family and appreciate their help producing and distributing this podcast. Head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash David to see more of our podcast or drop the slash David to engage with an incredible repository of knowledge of our human wisdom traditions in the podcast format. Okay, everyone. That's our opening monologue, and it is now our pleasure to share with you episode 44 of the CSM podcast, Professional Wrestling in the Middle Way with Matt Seidel. Okay. Well, welcome, Matt. My guest uh, today on the podcast is Matt Seidel who has some interesting connections uh, with Dharma Moon and our, our program. He's taken the uh, Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program, which is how we met originally. Uh, but Matt has some very interesting and diverse um, uh, 
uh, things that he's involved with, not not the most um, insignificant, and making you also the first professional wrestler uh, to be on our our podcast. So uh, that's exciting for us. Hey, it's an honor for me. Yeah. So just so you know, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know exactly who you are and have seen you on TV and so forth. But could you say a little bit about your career in wrestling, um, and um, you know, and where you're at with that, and what's going on there? Sure, sure. I mean, so I am an an American professional wrestler. I wrestle for All Elite Wrestling, which is kind of a new startup wrestling federation that's taking on the billion dollar industry of wrestling and trying to take a big chunk out of it. Um, I started out watching wrestling as a kid and it said on the commercial, do not try this at home. So <laughs> immediately my brothers and I went outside and did it. And <laughs> it, a few years later, I was building rings in my backyard. And then when my parents got sick of that, they sent me to like a local wrestling school. And I've, I mean, I've been wrestling every weekend since I was 17 years old and we're very happy to be continuing to this day. Wow. What a story. Do not try this at home. At home. So you, you went outside the home and did it. So that was fine. Still yeah, following yeah. the instructions. <laughs> we'll go in the backyard. We're not going to try it in the home. But um, did you ever do, uh, you know, kind of high school and college wrestling, classical wrestling? Or or, or did you go right for the, the pro wrestling style? Yeah, I did folk style wrestling in high school my freshman year. And then I went to a wrestling camp at the University of Illinois. And some kid just cranked my knee out and I had to sit out that season. And that season also happened to be when pro wrestling like became more of a pop culture type thing. And my neighbors and my brothers were getting into it. And I sort of just decided that cooperating violently would be a lot better than like competing. And the, the <laughs> defeat in high school wrestling defeat hurt. I mean, I cry, I, I lost two matches. But I cried after him because it hurt losing. Mm. And when I would make these wrestling matches in the backyard, I would decide, okay, I'll be the guy that loses and you'll win and everybody will win when it's over and we're happy. So I just love that, the, the creative element that wrestling allowed for. Wow. Now, obviously, uh, for people who don't know, I, I remember being a kid, Matt, and I used to watch wrestling on TV when I was a kid, which is, you know, well, well before but you might know some of these classic names. There was a guy named Killer Kowalski and Bruno San Martino and some of the real legends of the time. And, uh, you know, they would each have their own special hold that would they would win the match with. And then I remember one day my dad telling me that it was theatrical and I just was so busted and so upset about it. So it is theatrical, right? They're, everything's orchestrated. Is that, isn't that true? Yeah, especially more modern day wrestling is it's very much theater or TV because we're, we're making a TV show. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like the top priority. Then it's a TV show about about pro wrestling. Um, but I also wrestle in Japan. I spent a lot of my career going back and forth to Japan. I've been 30 plus times and the Japanese wrestling is a, is a different animal. Sort of mm -hmm. pro wrestling is a reflection of like the local culture and the local take on good guy versus bad guy storytelling so american wrestling is different than japanese wrestling which is much more based in like combat and then mm. there's mexican wrestling which is like superheroes battling it out and uh, so uh, american wrestling when you turn it on i mean you can tell they're putting on a show and guys are talking trash and it's just really like the original um reality show right. it's kind of real but kind of fake and right. fake fake and there's real real and there's real fake and fake real <laughs> but i can't imagine watching it that people don't get busted up fairly regularly the, the level of uh, acrobatics and and falls that are being taken and being thrown across metal desks and chairs and thrown out of the ring and thrown back into the ring uh ha have you gotten injured doing this yeah, I, I mean, I have, and, and wrestling, pro wrestling has no weight classes, and I'm 160 pounds, and I've wrestled 300-pound men, I've wrestled 400-pound men, I have wrestled 500-pound men, guys that are seven foot four in height. I, they really exist, but I've also wrestled little people, too. Uh, right. There's there's literally everything in, in between in wrestling, but so, I mean, when I first got into it, it was a bunch of older guys that kind of beat me up a little bit and, and kind of introduced me to wrestling in a very physical manner right. um 
and but I just kind of I developed a lot of calluses real early, and mm. I mean, you know, in wrestling we have this move called the knife edge chop, and you just hit yeah. somebody as hard as you can right in the chest. But I mean, when I was wrestling in Japan, you could hit me all day in the chest, and I wouldn't even turn red. I was so used to it. Wow. Nowadays, one one hand print, and I mean, I'll just you turn bright red. Wow. Um, but I would say the suffering is definitely a part of wrestling that I have enjoyed and used to my you know used as a storytelling device to build sympathy to build you know to to make people want to see me fight back and it's you know it's real it's real suffering but we're also using it as part of the show and uh, sometimes a move will really hurt and i'll have to pretend like it doesn't right and the worst case is when it doesn't look like it hurt but it really did and I have to just kind of pretend like it didn't even though my arm's really hurting and wow. I mean we we do a match, I mean, tw- twice a week at least. And so there's so many things that can happen. It's just, you know, it's an improvisational. It's a, we're like wrestlers go out there and we jam like a jam band would, uh, except it's just a different instrument we're playing. Now, you also have a school, so you have a business going on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Killer Kowalski earlier in er, earlier in this interview, and he is one of the guys that had one of the earliest wrestling schools. And so some of his students are now like the top stars in wrestling. And a lot of these guys have kind of established a model of how to train future wrestlers in kind of an honorable and decent way, because before it was very much a carny, you give us $3,000 we break your ankle and we never have to see you again or teach you this industry. Wow. Um, very, you know, the wrestling is rooted in American wrestling is rooted in this kind of carnival huckster kind of trick people. My business plan. And the more modern business plan is to kind of share these secrets with people and give them tools to carry it on in their own way. Not everybody I coach is going to be a superstar wrestler, but I want them all to be involved in wrestling. And just like if you played high school football, when you watch football on TV, you can relate to it more. If you want, like when I watch wrestling, it hurts me when I watch my friends take these falls. And I see fans, they're just laughing it off. Oh, that couldn't hurt that much. And I, you know, I know from firsthand experience how much pain and suffering all these wrestlers are going through. And so my wrestling school is sort of my way to give back, to teach the new generation, to keep people from making the same mistakes that I have over the past 22 plus years wrestling. And, you know, I've learned a lot about how to work with crowds and audiences and um, mm. doing the school is, is really great for me because I'm actually more in touch with what wrestling fans like now than the, the industry changes from when I started till now. And so it helps me keep in touch with um, what people think wrestling is now and what people want to see when I go out there and perform, because I'm always trying to give people their money's worth when I go out and perform. And so I want to equip my students with the same ability to connect with the crowd, to give everybody a good time, to make sure it's like a Friday, Saturday night that's just filled with fun and excitement and people kind of on the edge of their seat. Uh, So I just really enjoy getting to do that. And there's so many basics and fundamentals in pro wrestling, just like if you were picking up an instrument or anything else. So we do these in basics for four months and just yesterday, just last night, everybody had their first match of this group of students and to, to watch them go from people who look like deer in the headlights into showmen is, is like so satisfying. And I mean, it's this way I have guys that I've wrestled with and, and taught, um, hand to hand, like we wrestled a hundred times. I wrestled with a guy a hundred times. And then he goes on to become a WWE world champion. It's, I feel as if I won the belt too. I mean, it's really like a a connectedness and a bond that when you go through these battles together with somebody, you know, even though you're opponents, you automatically become so much closer because you trusted somebody with your life. What, I mean, I try not to be too, too much gravity with wrestling, but when I go out there, it is life or death. And I do death-defying stunts every night, like all the time. And so the guy who's catching you, you, oh, you, I might not know him. They might be from 
Brazil or Mexico or Canada, you know, I shake their hand and then we go out there and we do this crazy dance that's high risk and high reward. Don't you have um, to rehearse we'll, it though? Don't you have to rehearse the movements? So that, or is it just a sort of, uh, everybody knows the like, it's like a bluegrass band. Anybody could sit in and know all the parts already. If you're good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. You could just do they, it cold. You could just kind of go, okay, I know what he's doing yeah. here. And I'm, there's no, there's no, uh, um, you know, outline or scenario that you work out well, together. I mean, sort of, it all falls into a similar formula. You know, there's a beginning, a middle and then, and an end. Um, but, like Aristotle. Now, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but a lot of us, you know, we sort of tend to do the same moves and, right. um, I mean, it's, I, I would meet guys when I first started wrestling with no idea who they are. Now we have YouTube. So if I'm wrestling somebody, he can show me, oh, I do this like this, this oh, like that. Wow. And let's go out and try and do this. But when I first began, it was, I'd meet some random guy from Montreal, shake his hand and go out there and try and make, make a match real quick. And it's what seems like there would be tons of production and planning for. There's sometimes very little. I, I mean, we'll go out on TV, on, on, on live TV, where you go to the ring and the time that you had can go from seven minutes to eight minutes to nine to 10. Sometimes it can drop down to two minutes to three minutes. And I mean, we make live TV twice a week on Wednesdays. We do AEW dynamite. And on Fridays we do AEW rampage. And then sometimes on like, for example, this Saturday, we'll have a live pay-per-view out of Dallas called bring of honor death before dishonor. And so we're going live. I mean, we're making 12 hours of TV of content in a week. Yeah. And so you can't really plan all that. So we just get in there and jam. Wow. I mean, that is uh, kind of blowing my mind because you will climb up on the corner of the, of the, uh, you know, the ropes standing up full. So you're like, you know, 10, 15 above the ground, you go flying through the air. If this person doesn't catch you or uh, soften your fall, or if they smash your head into the ring the wrong way, you're in trouble. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like I said, it's high risk. That's why I, I'm lucky to have gotten to work with some of the best wrestlers from all over. So for, there was a time where I didn't even think twice. I would just jump, flip, twist because I had a lot of faith in the guys I worked with and faith uh-huh. in my ability to, to handle the landing. Uh, now I'm very specific when I take big risks. But there's just I mean, there's some there's this certain appeal where, you know, it's the fans know it's coordinated, but there's this element of possibility where you don't know what happens till it really comes through that really drives people crazy. You might think one wrestler is going to win because it seems obvious. Right. And then all, our job as the entertainers is to go left when you go right. Like every time I perform, I want people to kind of jump up out of their seats in excitement. And, I, you know, so there's, a, there's a real jam element to it. You're jamming. Mm-hmm. And the, the crowd is is almost fifty percent of your match because you have to listen to their reactions and whenever they they start rumbling, there's this sound you can hear. It starts rumbling here and it rumbles up 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 the arena. And once the once that sound goes all the way up, then it's your turn to move because the fans are begging for action. They're wanting um, they're wanting the action to pick up, and you have to you hear it. And then both wrestlers, without even saying anything to to each other, we like. You just hear it and you just start moving to the next thing. So, you know, another graduate from our Mindfulness Meditation Teach training program, his name is Ethan Sal. And he started a whole company, which I sort of helped him with, his own company called Be Mindful. And they're coaching uh, high school and college athletes, mostly tennis players, but other sports too. And some, some of the other graduates from the program have gotten involved um, and we have a, a, a picture on our, on our Dharma Moon website, uh, the landing page for that teacher training program. And there are a hundred champion high school lacrosse players sitting in a bleachers meditating, um, you know, and then, then he has, uh, you, you know, he's been presenting mindfulness meditation as an asset, uh, a, as a skill set for athletes. D- have you incorporated any of that into your training with the, uh, with the wrestlers? Yeah, uh, well, I I really remember you talking about this the the tennis coach, and I I looked into that, and I was a bit inspired by it, in fact. And then I started thinking about the language I use when I coach my students, and so much of it I have just co-opted from the Dharma Moon team. 
Wow. I will say when we're when these guys are wrestling, everybody gets a little too uptight, and I need them to loosen up. So what am I asking for? <laughs> not too tight, not too loose, and th- that applies to ev- all my wrestling performances because if you're too uptight, you're not catching your breath, and then you end up you you have no breath. We call that in wrestling. We call that getting blown up. And there's nothing yeah. worse than being in the middle of the ring and needing to move and not being able to because you're out of gas. Wow. And so that, that night, not too tight, not too loose principle comes into play fit very physically with wrestling. And just like, I mean, the trying to attain an equanimous state whilst your body is being bent into certain positions is really important because I, I need to be in uncomfortable positions and still be like, calm-minded while on the outside my face is going ah hey oi making a bunch of noises <laughs> and all this stuff but deep down my 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 inner self has to be calm and aware of what's going on i have to be aware of a referee has to be aware of timekeeper the, the the fans my opponent the guy who's going to run out and hit me with a chair in five minutes you know there's just like building that quiet awareness in stress I think is one of the most important things that I'm trying to kind of share with my students. And uh, when these guys, a lot of people that I work with, I'm just coaching them one, I'm coaching them one-on-one and I'm telling you, the, the MMTT really helps put words to a lot of the things that I'm going for. I, I mean, we said not too tight, not too loose. And th- there's a few other ones that'll jump up when I, when I yeah. come across them, but. That is so inspiring for me personally because, you know, uh, of of course, the Buddhist teachings are so deep, you know, and, and they've had such permeation into so many cultures and in different ways. For example, you know, uh, it's interesting to hear that you're in Japan because I've been teaching in Japan for, for the last eight or ten years very actively. Before the pandemic, I went there five times a year. And we have a wow. company called True Nature there, which is a, my partner, Suke. Um Kawazu is uh, running a meditation school there called True Nature, and it's affiliated with Dharma Moon. Um, and, you know, I got to know the Japanese culture and the people quite well over the time. Love it there. I, I could tell you probably do, too. It's There's something very special about it. But, uh, and then we kept doing it during the pandemic. We had to move it on online. Um, but there was one, Mizuka, I don't know if you ever bumped into her, but she was one of our early translators and she uh, was coaching mixed martial arts uh, 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 players in in Japan. So I don't know if you ever if you're ever over there again. I should probably connect the two of you. <laughs> and, yeah, I, and she was working. Then one of the translators also works for WWE. I mean, there's overlaps there. But the main thread is that um, you know people who are kind of maybe clearly tagged as people who'd be interested in Buddhism and meditation have many many resources you know but to to spread it out further into the uh into the zeitgeist and into the culture without it just being thought of as just a, a relaxation technique which is how a lot of the big companies view it you know here's how you get a better night's sleep here's how you chill out but really the depths of the of the meditation practice of really um generating focus generating clarity about what you're doing awareness of the full situation understanding the nature of the mind itself um, in a deep way, uh, for that to tap into uh, the the larger arena of culture and even um, you know popular culture is is a personal you could say personal mission of mine. Uh, and and is in I understood that my teacher Trungpa Rinpoche was very interested in, in having that kind of expansion out into into the world. So talking to you is just I mean the fact that you know who Killer Kowalski is. <laughs> and are doing building a school to help people train uh and you have s- such a sweet and wholesome attitude towards what you're doing it's obvious to anybody who's watching or listening uh that you're a good person so what about developing a character called the bodhisattva and he could be your ring p- persona <laughs> yeah i i mean i've i've occasionally referred to myself as all zen matt seidel um but the <laughs> Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, but you know, people don't want to see emotionless non-reactivity uh, yeah. on their on their screen. But yeah. you know, the the middle way is really how I approach these matches because 
I, I see a big freight train of 600 pound guy coming at me and I might not know exactly what's going to happen. So I don't kind of go left. I wait till right at that moment. And then I'll the intentional pop up. Yeah. Like I have a um, one kind of wild story about uh, a match I had in Japan and kind of what made me want to get more into meditation. It was just, um, we were, I was wrestling for a company called Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling, which is super innovative, high speed wrestling, um, brand in Japan. And we were wrestling at a place called KBS Hall in Kyoto. And it's basically a, the ring is here and behind us is a 30 by 20 stained glass window that's beautiful. It basically looks like a church. Uh, across the street is a bunch of temples because it's Kyoto. And um, this KBS Hall is very famous. It's also rumored to be haunted or have spirits around it. So they, the management would do a ritual where they kind of throw rice on your back. And then they throw rice at all four buckles to as sort of a protection spell or just kind of a, a tradition. But that uh, that day, like, on tour in Japan, I was tired. I put on the Ram Dass audiobook, Experiments in Truth, and I did one of the meditations in there. And that was the first time I had had that experience where my mind did turn off. And I experienced kind of a bit more vastness and spaciousness that I had never experienced before. And that night, I had this awesome match. And there's a moment in almost every wrestling match where the good guy's getting beat up and we do tag team matches. That's my specialty tag team pro wrestling. And so my teammate reaches for the tag. It's a six man. So I've got me and my friend in the corner and my brother, Mike is in the ring getting beat up by the other team. And Mike, the, the, the moment for that tag is about to come. You can hear the crowd making noise. We're all on the same page. It's about to happen. I look at my teammate Ricochet and I say, what's the hot tag? Like, what is it? My brain just went, uh, I'm like, oh, great. What am I supposed to do? I look at him and he starts thinking he's about to tell me it because he's a master of the sport and knows my moves as well as his. And I go, no, no, wait a minute. I'm just going to trust my gut. I, I took the tag, jumped in the ring, went straight across without even thinking. And then it all just kind of fell into place. And like, that was this time where I said, I got to figure out how to meditate more. Maybe I should get in those flotation tanks. But it just, it triggered in me this, like, knowledge that the, there was a lot more to my mind than I mm -hmm. knew. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of research and work to do. And that's why I was so happy when I came across the mindfulness meditation teacher training. Actually, I heard you on Duncan Trussell's podcast. And I just, you sounded so grounded and firm and just... Sometimes I feel scattered, David, like my brain's over here. I'm still part of me is still in Tokyo. The, the other half's in Mexico City. And I'm, you know, with all the touring, I just felt scattered. And I was kind of looking for a way to kind of bring everything together and have a practice that I could use to do that no matter where I was. And like the learning mindfulness meditation was important, but learning how to teach it was even more important so I can kind of continue to be my own teacher and continue to grow that practice. And like, I, I don't want to say it all began that day in Kobe or in uh, Kyoto, but it, it really sparked there that, yes. that there's so much more. Unbelievable story. And of course it, it, this was for me. And I think, you know, I've been thinking about my friend Krishna Das. Do you know who that is? Yeah. 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 So KD, and I are the same age, same vintage. We were watching the same TV shows. We know the same themes from the TV shows. It, it's kind of a laugh. But I know he was watching this. Uh, I've been thinking about him watching this. Uh, this wrestling was a, a fairly significant part of our entertainment as kids growing up in the in the 50s, you know. And um, so a tag team is a whole funny thing because they're always trying to get to like get to their guy in the corner or gal in the corner and, and, and get rescued. And, but they just miss by a couple of inches. It's such a, uh, it's such a life fable in a way, you know, that you can't make that connection to the, to the support team. And I also, I use the analogy. You also remind me of a friend of mine named Johnny Gillespie, who I want you to meet, who has a company called balanced athlete, also a meditation student for many, many years. And uh, 
uh, great body guy. If you need, if you need some like uh, serious, uh, you know, insight about how the body works, he's, he's amazing. Um, and I met, um, we had, uh, uh, he's in Wilmington, Delaware. We met with a guy who played uh, on, on the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team. And he was the uh, enforcer on the team. <laughs> and this guy's now like a shaman and teaching people, you know, plant medicine and meditation. So there's such an interesting zone there of crossover. But when you when you mentioned the tag team, I was thinking about me and KD being eight years old and watching that on television. And it is part of our culture. And, um, you know, it's uh, your spirit is so much fun. You know, I wonder, like, do you, you, you act also, don't you? Aren't you involved with movies and stuff like that, too? TV? Um, yes, but only for kind of wrestling specific things. Like mm -hmm. I've been doing double work and on a movie that's coming out, but I, I mean, my, my love is pro wrestling. Like that's kind of what inspires me. Well now, and I'm a cactus guard. I do a lot of gardening and collecting cactus, but oh. wrestling just wrestling called to me as, as a young guy and all the others, there's a lot of stuff that goes with it. Yeah. But but for me, I, I would like to get more involved in the production and direction of the wrestling itself rather than going to acting or doing stunts, which when I when I was a kid, I started just imitating Jackie Chan in the front yard right. with my friend. But then just wrestling has just become my full, full obsession. Well, here's the you, you know, I coach people in, in, in the based on the creativity, spirituality and making a buck book and platform. Uh, and I always get ideas when I'm talking to people about entrepreneurial possibilities. So has anybody done a, a, a series about a pro wrestler and his family and his life? And, you know, that integrates uh, some stories uh, around that is sort of featured, centered around that arena. Has that been yeah. done yet? I mean, there's there's a couple of reality shows about wrestlers. And, not and reality. I'm talking about and, yeah. not, not reality. Like a, a series. Yeah, there's one out right now called Heal. And it's and it's sort of based on the '70s era pro wrestling. There've been there've been a couple like wrestling shows, but I really think that there's a lot of opportunity for wrestling is such a popular thing that, that we'd watch it if it was a sitcom, if it was a rom com, yeah. and yeah. and wrestling has all these wonderful elements of sex and violence, which people love to cling on to. But it doesn't have to be the whole thing. It doesn't have to be right. to be all of it. But I mean, you like um, I'm telling like the fact that you have this podcast called Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck always makes me it ha has been empowering for me because I'm always thinking of my next idea or some something a way to capitalize on this knowledge and experience that I have. And sometimes I feel bad. I think I'm just scamming people out of their money somehow. But it, it really makes me feel good when making a book is truly a part it's a fruition of the creativity and spirituality part and somewhere in my head i have a book called zen and the art of pro wrestling mm -hmm. it hasn't it's yet yet to be hammered out but i've got a number of notes on the phone and and for me i'd really like to do something in, in a book form that would that people can hold and it's i feel like it's a better way of communicating for me than doing than just chatting about it and talking about it. Like mm -hmm. I think a, a book and it would be something cool for wrestling fans to kind of understand wrestling a little more. Mm -hmm. I'd like to share my personal understanding with them because I feel a lot of the ways with sports, people are so harsh on their sports stars. They, you know, a guy can, he can be your hero for eight months and then he changes teams and now you hate him. but sure. people actually hate them instead of, like pro wrestling you just only fake hate the hate the when you're at the arena and you're yeah. yelling at the guy in the ring the fans can yell screw you get bent <laughs> but then when the wrestlers walk outside the arena the fans are there asking all the good guys and the bad guys for autographs we're sort of we all agree uh, uh -huh. we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna everybody the fans and the wrestlers are all gonna be in on the show and then wow. when it's over everybody kind of gets it there's still a little bit, I mean, young kids and people who don't understand, but the majority of wrestling fans, they get it. They show up, they participate, they kind of make the show. They, they're an integral part. If a, if a TV show we do is one of our best ones, I can guarantee you the crowd had a lot to do with that. And so did the performers. So we all sort of make this 
magic together. There's like an ether in the arena. But everybody knows that that last bell, when it ends, kind of nobody's, the fans aren't getting into fights in the, on the way out thinking, oh, my, my guy's better than your guy. They're all kind of laughing about it. And in AEW, we all, we do this handshake where it's like a scissors. Mm-hmm. Everybody's scissoring each other. It's like a uh, uh-huh. secret AEW handshake that the fans have and the rest of the uh. We're just filled with all these inside jokes. So, I mean, it makes it. You know, fun. Matt, there was a, a Tibetan teacher who really, really important lama named Kenpo Sultrum Gyamso, who uh, taught a lot of the, the high lamas in the Kagyu school and then came to the West and he, um, you know, had quite a lot of students there and he would. He was a real yogi style, you know, it's like this is rare because uh, th- there's a lot of monastic traditions, but he was really, you know, he'd go swimming in a lake. He would he would he would spontaneously create songs and poetry and have the students doing stuff like that. Um, um, and he stayed at my loft in New York a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I, I was intrigued by him because uh, you, you don't meet uh, very many uh yogic style practitioners in Tibetan tradition. They're there, they're part of it, but it became so monasticized that uh, he was a little bit outside of that. So I asked him through the translator, I said, um, could you ask uh, Rinpoche where he lives? And through the translator, he comes back. And the answer was, he said to tell you he lives in the center of his awareness. <laughs> and my famous reply, which has been immortalized, was, is that anywhere near 2nd Avenue and 36th Street? Uh, <laughs> it's the relative and absolute truth <laughs> debate, you know. But he would watch television. And I was sort of startled by that, you know. So I, I was asking, you know, Rinpoche likes television. What, 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 what's that about? And uh, he, he said, um, tell me, you see this, what we're doing here? That's like this. In other words, it's a complete drama. It's a complete fabrication on some level. You know, not, um, you know, the Dalai Lama once said um, that it's not that life is an illusion. It's that it's like an illusion. So, you know, you can't just po- poke a hole and say nothing matters. My son doesn't matter. My life doesn't, you know, it's not that kind of thing. But there's something illusory about existence. And so what you're talking about is an agreed upon drama that we all participate in. And if only, and and really part, you know, maybe more um, advanced Buddhist teachings is to see the playful element in that, that it's not as deadly serious as the ego-centric uh, approach tends to make it. Not to make it frivolous or lighthearted that things go on and so forth, but we do take ourselves seriously. So what you're talking about is an agreed upon reality. It's like a holodeck that opens up and then everybody plays their part and, and then everybody, uh, you know, uh, drinks up and goes home, so to speak, you know, as in the words of the country song. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash now. So the fans are in on it. That's interesting. There's not young kids getting really freaked out because, oh, this person was bad or that person was good. They can they get the idea of the play of it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the kids, the kids kind of could get wrapped up a little bit more or cry if the guy they wanted to win loses. But, you know, for the adult audience, which is, we're, more, we're on from 8 to 10 and from uh, 10 to 11. So our audience isn't really people, you know, my nine-year-old's asleep by 8.30. So it's a little bit like kind of PG-13 wrestling and up. And I think these people really get it. They just want to see the physicality. The right. And I mean, when, when some of these guys in AEW get on the microphone, they are magnetic. I mean, they are mm. passionate. They're driven. And mm. the way they deliver these lines, I mean, 
you're hanging on every word. And so that's like, there's this other side of wrestling, which is the talking side, which is equally as, as important. And so a lot of the fans come to see that part of the show too. So there's just, there's a lot of elements, it, you know, at these shows that appeal, appeal to people kind of across the board and we tour, you know, AEW yeah. tours all over the world and wrestling is just, it's, it's like uh, meditation, you know, it, you can do it in any language. Yeah. Wow. Um, and how did the pandemic uh, hit the, you know, were they, did they have, um, did that cut into the touring and things like that for a couple of years? Yeah. I mean, that was, those really hard times. I was personally, I was about to start with a new wrestling organization and that was like March 16th or whatever of 2020. And my flight to Vegas got canceled. And then I spent eight months like unemployed and I wasn't allowed to run my wrestling school. Um, and then I kind of wow. kickstarted it under underground a little bit. And, um, luckily, um, there was a wrestling organization in Florida where there was a special exception to put on events and they needed people because a lot of people couldn't fly. I was yeah. in Florida. They called me up to come do an event and I did, I did that. It went all right. And, um, I ended up getting a job there, but the whole industry, I sort of had an arrogance, David. I thought, well, we do, what we do is irreplaceable. No digital technology or nothing will beat us. We do live performances. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's such an infinite possibility. Those will never end. They'll never dry up. And I mean, just out of nowhere, live performances dried up. And that's, that's the majority. I mean, I make my money as a performer and I just had nothing coming in for eight months till Tony Khan and all elite wrestling hit me up and, basically i earn, earned a job there um but it's you know there's there have been some times where it's been you know i've been wwe world tag team champion and i've also been you know injured and unemployed you know knee surgery with no job and everywhere in between and like during that pandemic i just kept trying to remind myself like you are a wrestler like live your life every day like a wrestler like you wake up we, we eat a good breakfast we go to the gym we get busy like I tried to keep going as if kind of nothing had happened, maintaining a little middle way and use that deferment on my mortgage payment and did what I could. But I, I tried to like, I love the Alan Watts philosophy to worry is preposterous. It's just, <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, I think it's great because I was I was stressed out over these things, but I couldn't worry about them anymore or worrying about yeah. it wouldn't have accomplished anything or done mm. anything. So I, I just was homeschooling Leo every day and trying to maintain everything. And all of a sudden, the that opportunity opened up and then I was ready when it happened. But those were really hard times. And I think oh. one of the things I was looking for, one of the reasons I did the mindfulness meditation teacher training is I wanted more discipline with my mind. I wanted to, I wanted to be in charge. I wanted to be the leader, not the follower. And I sort of felt like I was kind of following my brain around and I couldn't figure out a way to get ahead of it because I was always onto the next thought, onto the next thought, onto the next mm -hmm. thought. And, you know, when I sit there, even if I do 10 minutes of meditation and I just slow down that next thought and slow down the, the distance between them, I'm actually like, getting better ideas because the pond isn't so muddied. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so um, um, enriching to hear you talking about this. Uh, you know, again, uh, the, the, the notion of that, uh, this practice being so separate from regular people doing everyday things is something, you know, that um, I've been personally trying to uh, bridge you know, for, for many decades, actually, um, and inspired by the way my, my teacher taught it, but also just naturally that's, you know, I'm a professional musician and it's, it's, you only get to live in one world, one, one way, you know, so if it's not integrated, you're living in separate realities and that's stressful and strenuous. So do you, you have a regular practice? Are you, are you sitting regularly? Is that part of your life um, to, to do meditation uh, practice? Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting a lot, but a lot of my meditation practices come is sitting in an airport. So my, I would say I don't do like, I 
find it hard to get that moment where I have a good container to mm-hmm. do my practice, but I don't let that stop me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I would say my practice isn't like perfection by any means, but the consistency and really like, I like loved your book, Creativity, Spirituality, Making a Buck, uh, the book on the Buddhist wheel of Dharma. Like I actually, my girlfriend and I became obsessed with it and we got like a poster on the wall now. And um, so all the different forms, I, for me, like reading has been one of the ways that I take in this kind of stuff, just reading the books, reading Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche, or I, I always have a little Thich Nhat Hanh book around or so, something to keep me inspired. But, um, you know, I, there were, there have been times where I have been nothing but the regurgitator of Alan Watts and Ram Dass quotes. And there have been times where I've been so far away from that. All I'm thinking about is how many calf raises am I doing today and that kind of, and, and you know, it's like that, that balance is okay with me, you know, and I'm, my focus is first on being a family man and a wrestler, but to, to do all that, like cultivating my patience and cultivating like the, the non-reactivity is just been immensely beneficial in my life. And I'm just, I feel like, from zero to 30, my brain was just as wild as it wanted to be and just did whatever, you know, and now my thirties, I've really started to think about that thinking. And this is like, I feel like my room for growth is in this area. And I mean, I'm dedicating my life to it in a lot of ways. I mean, my types of meditation might just be walking through my garden spending hours just looking at the plants, checking on them, seeing who's got bugs, seeing who's healthy, seeing who's growing, seeing who needs care, who's got a fungus. And so like my meditation practice is all incorporated in it, but I really loved the walking meditation that Mm. we did. And that's one of those things. If I'm going to pick up Leo from school, I do the walk, but again, it's not the perfect container. Sometimes a trash truck drives by sometimes, you know, it's just, it's not perfect, but I can really feel my feet when I walk and I'm trying to be present with what's happening. And I've done that walk to pick up Leo from school with my phone in my hand, just staring at it like this. And then I've done the one where I'm conscious of my walking and I'm aware. And I just always feel like that helps me be more present with him on the walk back. And I feel like instead of saying, Hey, how was your day? How you doing? Mm. I'll sit back and let him walk. And then after a while, he opens up and starts talking about his day and talking about kind of what's on his mind rather than me saying, hey, how you doing? How was lunch? How was class today? You know, it just allowed me to kind of kind of let things be and let the paths appear in front of me instead of kind of forging that path in some way. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's, um, you know, the... Uh, most refined Buddhist practices are more like that than they are like very formal. So, you know, there's, um, you know, kind of formal practice with props and rituals and things that kind of help support. But really, if you ask any good teacher, they'll tell you what you're doing is training your mind uh, one way or another. And ultimate training is in the field, you know. So the Mahayana teachings, you know, which is something that I was thinking about as you're talking for example, the paramitas, you know, the six paramitas, you're, you're, those are really civilian practices. Yeah, cultivate generosity, discipline, patience, um, you know, um, exertion, mindfulness, and, you know, and discriminating awareness. Well, where did it say anything about any kind of religion or any kind of, you know, it, it doesn't say anything about believing anything or, you know, it's just a very non-theistic direct approach towards how to how to walk your kid to school, how to walk to school and walk your kid back. That's what it's really about. So this is very, um, um, the tricky thing, obviously, for us being kind of worldly Dharma practitioners like we are, is to lose the thread, right? So the formal practice helps to to. to you know, keep planting those seeds and keep, keep the, uh, you know, keep the, the plant potted in, in, in the earth, you know? But, uh, so it's not just, uh, you know, we don't just start floating around with a lot of ideas in our head, but if you can actually practice in that way um, and, and, and tap in, I would say to the Mahayana teachings in particular, they're really like many, many versions, iterations of it. 
that allow you to transform your everyday life into a kind of um, sacred ritual itself as it is. That's very inspiring. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, where, where is your school? If people can go, who want to come and register for your school, where is it? Is it in Florida? Yeah, it's in the greater Tampa Bay area, Tampa, Florida. Saint, it's kind of between Tampa and St. Petersburg, Florida. And we, our next class begins January, the first week of January. And we do three to four beginners classes per year. And we re retain like our intermediate students for classes that we do. They usually do once a week intermediate classes or three times a week for the beginners. And, and what's the name of it? It's called uh, the place. So my website is sidojo.com, S-Y-D-O-J-O.com. And now I partnered with my friend Jay Lethal, who's one of the greatest wrestlers, a world-class guy. He just wrestled Ric Flair in his retirement match. <laughs> uh, so he Ric Flair's last match was with Jay Lethal. And so uh, us and two other and coaches. Jay is your partner in the school? Mm -hmm. Jay Lethal, a guy named Big Con, and Joy Mercury, or and, and myself and Jay Lethal partners in the school. It's called the Wrestling Lab, the Wrestling Lab. But we basically only take ten students per thing per session. Sometimes we'll go up to twelve because one or two people might not make it or drop out. Right. But we just try and keep our numbers low, keep a small group there, and we actually we don't the lab we don't kind of have a website or much advertising it's kind of a underground wrestling like the one of the fun things about wrestling is that it's our own little secret society mm -hmm. and we don't we don't let the you know we try and keep it for the make it an insider's thing and mm -hmm. so um i think people really like that about the school is that there's not random people coming by and we don't like some wrestling fans are a bit too intense uh, they'll really get into it and kind of like wait outside buildings and that right, kind of right. stuff. So we have a little secret location in Pinellas Park, Florida, and we meet there three times a week for two and a half hours. So these are like really long classes. There's breaking down the format of how to build a wrestling match. Mm -hmm. There's the physical conditioning, which is like bouncing off the ropes a hundred times, doing 500 Hindu squats and all that kind of stuff. And then we get in there. And Hin show them Hindu techniques. squats? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the proper name, but it's like in Japanese wrestling, we call it the Hindu squat. And you just, you do 500 no weight squats. That's uh, It's just too rich, all of it together. And um, how's the business part going? Is that, you know, like that's a different, that's a different zone for what we talk about too, is the entrepreneurial aspect. Are you, are you a good business person? I would say I'm moderate. At best, I, I have my own corporation and I've been paying myself and handling it in some ways. There is a part of me that wants to do more service work than mm. financial work. And uh, these students, they pay a big kind of upfront fee to learn kind of the art of pro wrestling from us. And then after that, I can't help but just pull them in the ring and give them kind of normally somebody would charge, you know, a hundred bucks an hour or something mm -hmm. for some one-on-one -on -one training, but I can't, I can't do it all the time. I can only do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I get um, it. Yeah. But and it's, I mean, and the, it's hard the, the flip side is, you know, like obviously with meditation things, people say, how can you charge that? And so forth, so forth. But there is a middle way there. And if people like you, I mean, the difference between somebody like you who's so obviously inspired and enjoying what you're doing and people who are sort of trying to find their thing or grind grind something out is so notable. And you know what the notable difference is? Is joy. Like when you're talking about your life and what you're doing, you're joyful. You're actually exuding uh, some kind of happiness. And um, that's so magnetizing. And so much of that is associated with just wanting to share things. So um you know, and just to be clear, when we said creativity, spirituality, and making a buck, I make it clear in the first chapter, this is not about ripping people off. It's not about exploiting. It's not about trying to make a zillion dollars. It's it's about having a good a good feeling about livelihood um, and not seeing it as contradictory to to, to having a spiritual practice yeah. and, and being a creative person. So it's for people who get stuck. You know, some people get stuck in the livelihood piece. They, they, they can't put that together, you know. 
Um, so that's just it, any kind of stuckness is stuckness. You know, it's just the energy is just not moving in that area of somebody's life. Yeah. So yeah, what I, would you, is there anything you'd like to develop more of going forward? Or do you, do you have a vision for, for what you're going to do next? How are you going to expand on what you're doing? Yeah, I, I really do kind of enjoy where I'm at with the way things are going. I'm with this startup company called All Elite Wrestling. And, and when I was a kid, my dream was to not join the WWE because I thought that's all these big guys and doing the thing. We wanted to be our own startup company. Mm-hmm. We wanted to to take over. And the places I started in St. Louis, well, you know, we, we took over cable access TV, but that was about as far as we got. Um, but my friends and the guys that I met along the way over the past, those few years in my formative years, they were the guys that sparked the beginning of this company. So it's sort of like, my my like initial interest in wrestling was starting up a company that could be an alternative for wrestling fans like me who likes wrestling a little bit different than what was available mainstream. You know, it's essentially there was just one radio station for wrestling for the past mm-hmm. 20 years. And mm-hmm. so I just figured there's a lot more types. Of, there's a lot of types of music and a lot of stuff people want to jam to. That's not that one channel. So being a part of AEW and like, growing that and being a part of the backbone of AEW that will then allow new wrestlers to come in and take the spotlight and kind of do their thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not. So are, are you a stakeholder? Are you a st- stakeholder in AEW? Is, are you, are, do you, are you a shareholder in any way? Or? Uh, no, I'm not. It's, it was started by um, a group of guys while I was with a wrestling for a company called new Japan pro wrestling. And so when AEW started, I wasn't, involved in that in the very beginning mm-hmm. the first year mm-hmm. but i so they did one year without me and then since then so and the company has grown it's just it's crazy to watch it go from basically they did one event and then all of a sudden we're able to land tv deals and all this stuff and started touring and it's just there's so much opportunity and room for growth we're going to be we just did canada for the first time and we have our uk tour lined up for i think next february march and wrestling fans in Europe love, I mean, they're just so passionate and dedicated. I, I love being on the road, but I'm very happy being at home. So I see myself transitioning to just a little bit more home life and a little mm. bit less airplanes. And I mean, I've, I almost have a million miles on Delta and a million miles on American Airlines. So it's two wow. airlines. Wow. Oh my goodness. And you know, my back hurts from the seats, not from getting body slammed these days. And so. <laughs> I'm trying to travel less and, you know, but also yeah. like I, I would re- I think what would be more fulfilling for me is to create more and mm-hmm. create from home and find new ways to do that. And mm-hmm. that's the benefit of coaching is that I'm doing it, you know, 20 minutes from the house. And so I can I can go up there early, get my workout in, get warmed up, then in come the students. And then guess what? After the students leave, a couple want to stay late and ask a few more questions. And then I'm pulling up a match and we were watching another match for 20 minutes and talking about that. And, um, but I, being on the road has been a huge challenge. It's a huge kind of drain on your energy. And sure. I really like look forward to finding, oh, but I thought that was the only way I could make money. And now of course, talking with you, getting inspired, I'm thinking I could crank out a book in no time mm-hmm. and, and have that and have multiple funnels to be getting yeah. in a little revenue and all and and sharing what i love with other people sure. and i just have dedicated like i was so obsessed with wrestling when i was a young kid i knew everybody's every person involved every move every technique everything and you know i've kind of kept all that information in here just giving it to a few people but i think putting it out further it is like i suffer from a bit of I don't want to call it humility. It's like a lack of I, I, that that last minute where you really want to go for it, where you go yeah. all in, where you take that chance. I kind of hesitate to take that chance and to put my stuff out there because I think, oh, maybe it could be a little better. I should do a little mm-hmm. bit. I think actually in your podcast with Pete Holmes, you guys were talking about that, how it, it happens in wrestling, how the person who's the most confident, they're the mm-hmm. one who's the star. And it might not be, they might not have the most, skills but they're out there and they're getting it and they just have that drive to take to take it because they believe it's theirs and i think that's one of these things i need to work on where like feeling like i deserve to have that success i deserve to have yeah 
you know, these kind of things. And so that's, you know, definitely something I struggle with. And well, so, you know, we talk about unconditional confidence, different kind of confidence. That's not based on uh, evaluation or analysis of the situation. There's uh, allowing just um, allowing yourself to feel very connected in the moment. You know, sometimes, as you said, that description of your kind of um, Zen moment there, it's not so much coming from a dualistic idea about what confidence is, you know, like competitive idea. So we call it wind horse, raising wind horse. Great. And, you know, the, the idea is that the image of it is a horse that can fly, and but you can stay in the saddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's usually you think, well, it won't be stable. So it's having that stability and, and connecting with the energy of, uh, you know, kind of unconditional quality of being awake on the spot. Um, and there's a method to it. You know, there's, there's a... Uh, a way to cultivate that, that would be that we learned as a way, like, you know, even if before you were going in the ring or something like that, it's a very short, quick practice that you can do. It's something that I want to teach more about as, as, as the days go on. Um, and it also is connected with the warrior principle, which is interesting because you're probably people use that word warrior in your, uh, I was going to ask you about that. Do people use that word warrior in, in relation to what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I try and think of myself as a, as a warrior. I mean, mm -hmm. because it's, I mean, you have to have that kind of warrior's motivation to be ready because it's, it's a life or death situation that, that I'm always in. And I, I love that warrior mentality. And when I read the spiritual books that, um, what's that? Now, of course I can't think of it off the top of my head, but wait, the, I can, I can really relate to that. And I'd love to know more about the, Wind, what you call it, wind horse? Wind horse, yeah. Well, we could talk more about it, but yeah, um, have you read the book Shambhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior? Yeah, Togim, Togim, Togim? I am. Yeah, I, I, I have it. Don't know if yeah. I've... You know, that might be an interesting one for you to peel off the shelf again right now, I have a feeling. Yeah. Yeah, because talking about um, generating confidence that's not based on combat of, uh, or, or aggression, you know, and it, there's a notion of this idea of drala, which is these kind of energies in the world that are beyond the scope of aggression and competition, but have a lot of power, you know, can generate a force field. Um, and um, the, the idea of the warrior principle in that classical way is that it's not based on aggression. It's based on um, fearlessness um, and it's based on gentleness. Those are the two uh, dimensions to it. And imagining those two together is, is what makes a good warrior, you know, in the, in this way of looking at it, not somebody who goes out and conquers other and exploits other people's weaknesses and has a false sense of arrogance and confidence about ourselves. So it's more to talk about. Next time we talk, we can talk more about it. But, um, you know, this was so uh, amazing, Matt, because, you know, you took our course. I, I remember you very well from the course, but, you know, we never got a chance to talk like this. So this is uh, mm -hmm. very, very inspiring. You're... Um, People should people should connect with you and and um, you, you know the idea that you could teach meditation you could teach it in relation to a very popular you know uh, sport and theatrical thing uh, yeah I, I I encourage you to share your heart with people Matt because you have a good one thank you and I mean really I appreciate you asking this community to reach out to me because I feel like being more a part of the Dharma moon and the meditation community will just be even more beneficial for me. And I just would love to kind of spread this knowledge as, as far as it can go. If you want to go to Japan sometime, Ikimashodes, let's go. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's going to happen again. As you know, right now they're having a lot of COVID there and it's not mm -hmm. a, not a, you know, there's a constrictions, but we're thinking, you know, with Dharma moon, we want to do a Japan trip sometime from with students from all over the world. Um, because there's something special about the whole experience that, that that's there. We have a very nice platform there. We have, you know, we've trained about 150 meditation teachers there. Um, so there's a whole other community there. They would love you. They would eat you up. It would be a, it'd be a great. If you do go again, you got to let me know and we'll we'll connect. So, but in the meantime, let's stay in touch, okay? And um, you take good care of yourself out there. And we'll let you know if you want to email. We'll let people know the addresses for any of the things that you want to promote from your side. Um, so thank you so much for, for making the time to, to uh, be on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. 
There you have it, folks. Episode number 44 of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network featuring Matt Seidel. We'd like to thank Matt for joining us. I really enjoyed uh, his conversation with David and I learned a lot and it was interesting as a musician kind of seeing some of the parallels between what we do and um, I appreciate how how great of a communicator Matt is, uh, which is an important part of being a wrestler. So we would also like to thank all of you, friends, for listening and uh, making this podcast possible. Um, because if you didn't perceive it, one could say that potentially it doesn't exist. And after a statement like that, you may recognize that I'm improvising the outro again. So I'll try and keep it tight. Thank you for listening. And if you appreciate this podcast, uh, we encourage everybody to subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Uh, please share with your friends, share on the socials, give us five star, 11 star review on whatever platform uh, you're listening or watching. We are also on YouTube now on the Be Here Now Network. Uh, it helps us get the word out about the podcast. And, um, you know, feel free to reach out and let us know what you think or if you have um, any suggestions for the podcast. I can be reached at K at dharmamoon.com. And uh, I may not get back right away, but I do respond to all the emails that I get. And thank you, everyone, to be here now, Network. And uh, Lord's willing, we'll get to keep doing this podcast. And we're excited to be cooking more stuff up for you all. So with that, thank you for listening. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. All the best. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.